0: Let us pray. Startle us, O God, with your truth, and open us to your love. And in this hour, as we gather to worship you, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's good to be with you today. And I mean that not just as a courtesy, I mean it. It's good to be with you because we are all in this together. My alarm went off an hour earlier this morning than it has all summer, but that was the case for many others. Members of our choir were up early to rehearse, the food at coffee hour was prepared. Rooms were arranged and uh, for church programming. Worshippers were greeted by ushers and by deacons. These are all things that we do to welcome each other and to give each other an opportunity to worship God, to ask big questions, to dream big dreams, to mourn our losses, to celebrate our joys, To create space in our lives to think about meaning and purpose and why we are here. This is worship. And the essence of worship is simply described. We are here to share good news. The good news that you are forgiven and accepted. That you are not alone. That God loves you. We gather as a community of believers to remind one another of that message. This morning I'm going to talk a little bit about the gift and the challenge of being part of a community. My part of sharing the good news in this community begins with listening. Listening. I try to listen to what kinds of things I hear you saying, and I look for what the Bible has to say about those things. Something I seem to be hearing a lot about lately is the strange mix of blessings and struggles present in our lives. This is one of the most complicated things about being a human person. The dramatic mix of wonderful gifts and tremendous challenges we confront every day take a moment and think about the blessings and struggles in your own life most of us know someone who is newly engaged or welcoming a beautiful new baby most of us know someone with a new diagnosis of cancer or dementia, or a serious injury that is not going to get better? Do you know someone who is watching an older child head off to college or begin a new job with great hope? Does that same parent struggle with the loneliness of the empty nest? And the anxiety of whether their young person is well enough prepared for the world that awaits them. This morning, many of us spend a beautiful Sunday morning thankful for the gift of worship in a safe and comfortable place. And meanwhile, residents of Florida are fleeing their homes. And in Texas and the Caribbean and Mexico, disaster victims are just beginning to pick up the pieces of their lives. Life is such a mix of blessings and struggles. How are we to make sense of it? Can we make sense of it? One of the ways we make some sense of these things is by being in community with other people. These questions have no answers. So we place ourselves in relationship with people. People who have lived through life's mixed bag of blessings and struggles. And when we face something hard that doesn't make sense, we take heart in the idea that if they did it, so then can we. That's the gift of community. The problem is that you only get that gift if you commit to being part of the community, and being part of a community is hard work. When you are part of a community, as we are here at church, the complexity of life's ups and downs is magnified exponentially. You no longer just have your own complex life to deal with, you are in relationship with the joys and struggles of other people you might be having a great day this morning while the person sitting to your right or your left is in anguish grieving over a loss or fearful about a bad decision at work or in the family finances One of the humbling things about being a preacher is when you realize that on most Sundays, probably a quarter of the people sitting in the pews aren't listening at all. And sometimes that's about the content or the delivery. But many times it's because they are so overcome by the stress in their lives, by something that has happened maybe even just since they woke up. We all know this. When you consider all of that, is it really any wonder that being part of a community is hard? And yet, many church people are surprised by this. Not just here, in every congregation I've ever been a part of. People become deeply disillusioned and even choose to leave when they find themselves in a disagreement. We often expect that our church should be purer than other aspects of life, work, or family. And we expect that even though that point of view is not found much in the Bible. Most of the time when the Bible talks about church, it does so precisely in the context of mediating something that has gone wrong. The Corinthians couldn't figure out how to welcome the Jews and the Greeks into one shared community. The Galatians shared a wonderful feast every time they celebrated the Lord's Supper together, but the wealthy overserved themselves and they sent the poor away hungry. Often the disagreements were more personal. That's what Jesus acknowledges in the reading before us this morning. Disagreements in these ancient faith communities were frequent enough that Jesus makes a recommendation about how to go about resolving them. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. A couple of things need to be said about this passage. First of all, when Jesus talks about someone who sins against you, this is not a person who had a different opinion than yours in the committee meeting or who took your parking place this morning. This is a person who has caused genuine discord in the community and who stands in the way of the building up of our relationship with God. And even among those things, even in these more serious situations, please take notice, Jesus has no expectation that people are going to come to church and not sin. So instead of shaming them for their conflicts, Jesus instead tries to help them resolve their conflicts. It seems that the mark of being a Christian is not that you get along all the time, but that when there are divisions among us, we try to repair them. Jesus wants people to live in community so that they can do reparative work with one another so that they can learn to take that reparative training out into the world when they go. This is where the good news really emerges from this passage. We are so accustomed to our cultural norms of punishment and retribution. We begin reading this passage's introduction. If another member of the church sins against you. And the moment we read it, we are building a case regarding our latest disagreement. Or we're fearing that we might get caught for the way we've wronged someone else. And Jesus says his idea of community is different than that. He doesn't go that direction at all. Here, we're bound to have differences, just like we do everywhere else. But Jesus' approach is not to find fault and seek out retribution, but to create chances for relationships to get better. Because people know that they are loved and forgiven. The revolutionary thing about church community is not its perfection, it is the reality of acceptance and forgiveness. Wouldn't you like to take that into the rest of your life? Another element of Jesus' advice reinforces the point. Jesus says that if your initial efforts at reconciliation don't work, let the one be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. It's an interesting comment because our gut reaction is to say that once you've made an effort with someone, once you've done that, you can blow them off and move on. I'm not sure that's what Jesus means, Because remember, Jesus spent a lot of time with Gentiles and tax collectors. So what if Jesus is suggesting that once you discover you have a genuine difference with someone, go and spend some time with them? This different kind of thinking about community allows us not only to talk about conflicts among people, but it allows us to talk about that larger scale conflict in human life with the, the mystery of the blessings and struggles in life and how they can exist so closely together. Are you confused about what life has done to you or someone else? Maybe the answer there too is to go and spend some time with other people in community. When you look back at the mix of struggles and blessings we find in everyday life, there is no answer to these things that makes logical sense. We navigate the struggles of life by being in community by experiencing life with other people. You know, while none of us would ever wish for a natural disaster or wish it upon someone else, the stories that arise in response to them are some of the best places we see people living together in community. I read an article this week about the way faith is bringing people together in the Harvey recovery. I want to read you some quotes from it. The article began, Since the days of the Bible, all manner of natural disasters, floods, earthquakes, pestilence, and famine have tested the devotion of the faithful and provoked the most fundamental theological questions. Is God benevolent or retributive or both? Why is there so much human suffering? And why does it afflict the righteous as well as the unrighteous? And the author continued, Many of those we spoke to said nothing that had happened, not the deaths or the destruction of homes or loss of crops or livestock, had shaken their faith, in fact, to a person. They said the flood and its aftermath had strengthened it. At least part of God's plan, each person said in subsequent interviews, could be detected in the formation of the community itself, which in this case was a group of people who had formed a prayer circle. Here were strangers and friends, aged and innocent, rural and urban, coming together to humble themselves before God and to put their faith into practice. One of them said, my theology is that if I can see God moving through people, neighbors helping neighbors, I can shelve the bigger question of why this is happening. He said that that there are still people caring for each other is evidence enough that God is in this world. A rabbi spoke of Tikkun olam, the Jewish imperative placed upon repairing the world. And a widow who had lost almost everything said, When I saw the crew that came into my house, all those wonderful people and friends, I was just so thankful, she said. I feel like the Lord is trying to bring people together. God wants us to be nicer to each other. It really doesn't matter whether the context is recovery from a natural disaster or negotiating the blessings and struggles of our family or living together as a church. There is value in being part of a community and it transcends logical explanation. For reasons impossible to put into a theory, the challenges that we experience together make us a richer people. Not everyone chooses to live in community. Make no mistake about it, especially in the short term, it is so much easier to do your own thing. To worship God on your own schedule with books of your own choosing that reaffirm your own point of view, only speaking to the people you agree with the most. To be in community takes a depth of character that endures setbacks and welcomes challenging conversations. To be in relationship with other people who may be going through something hard requires us to be strong hearted enough to feel the burden of sorrow without losing hope. It requires us to look honestly at the brokenness of humanity and our own woundedness and not lose our sense of joy. It accepts the reality of difference and values forgiveness where it is needed. It endures struggle together and it receives the gift of grace. And it passes around good news. For that's what we're here to do, to pass around good news. To know that when you are not strong enough to give these things, you get to receive them. That is the gift of community. I'm glad to be with you today. Amen.